Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast with me, Rich Cooling. Um, so back again, we've got myself and, and Liam again. Liam, how are you doing? Not bad, thank you. How are you, Rich? Yeah, very good. It is it finally feels like summer's arrived. We're, what are we, 1st of June? We've had th- three days of uh, you know, decent weather, nice long bank holiday, and uh, already people are moaning, saying they want some rain. So you uh, you have a nice nice long bank holiday weekend enjoying the sun? Yeah, ni- nice and relaxing, and then uh, come back today, go back into the office so it's like a new normal. And then uh, I get a message from you, do you want to do a startup? So... Yeah. straight back into startup season yeah it went a bit crazy today um yeah I sort of hinted over the weekend that I was going to drop a few startups um I d- was a bit shocked at the uptake if I'm being honest um but we, we've started four today um and I've already got 18 people signed up for tomorrow so it could, could well be six startups by the end of the week so if you are listening and you're interested in a startup um by all means, drop me a message. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy to add to it. It's, uh, yeah, if you guys want startups, I'm more than happy to commission them and keep them running. Um, but today we're going to, I guess it's this is a bit of a kind of an unusual topic for us. We normally try and stick to the more traditional themes, but this is, I, I guess, to try and get us thinking, to get us trying to identify some potential blow-up candidates. And it's it, I've basically posed Liam with the idea of, can we talk about players that could exponentially rise in value, excluding rookies? Because I think we could both sit here and just go, yep, rookies are going to blow up in value this time next year. So it's trying to think outside the box. Um, And in doing so, I sort of, I guess I created some, some kind of archetypes that we can sort of maybe manufacture the traditional type of player at each position that blows up. It's a little bit loose in some areas, I think you could say. Um, but it's really, this is me trying to help identify some potential candidates. Um, and we'll talk through, I think Liam might disagree with some of my options that uh, that could blow up. Um, so, I mean, Liam, when you're, I guess, in those later rounds of of those startups, are you, what's, what type of player are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody to sit on the end of your bench that is a, dare I say, a bit of a plodder that you know you can go to in a bye week? 
are you looking for somebody that you know could completely blow up could could get you nothing those sort of the Sean Jackson types or are you looking for I don't know a, a player that isn't perhaps worth much now but you know the, the the I guess the term sleeper gets thrown around awful awful an awful lot are you looking for that type of player or, or where do you kind of aim with your bench I think really you've got to take a mix of all three of the archetypes as you said um so really for me you've got to have those upside plays um because if you're going up against say the top scoring team in your uh, in your league then you kind of need that upside because as you said a plotter isn't just, just isn't going to quit it if you've got a, a top guy on a buy um but then equally you kind of want a floor play here or there just in case you do need that plug and play guy if you think that your matchups across the board um provide that upside enough so you, you can kind of try and count on that 10 points a week if you've got that type of plotter on your bench um and then i suppose with the the back end guys i tend to try and take people that are, um high upside with chance of getting a, a big bump in value over the off season upcoming and um, that people might not be as high on at the moment so thinking of um, examples and I know Rich said that let's not talk about rookies but um, these two uh, are, are rookies from last season so Quintess Cephas and Tyler Johnson were two guys that I was picking up late um, probably fourth round, maybe fifth round, maybe even going undrafted, depending on the league, um, that I just wanted to stash because I knew that um, the contracts on their team were, were looking pretty thin coming into the 2021 season. Um, obviously, one worked out, one didn't. So Cephas has Amon Rossent Brown, who's a fourth round wide receiver pick from this year, um, Richard Perryman and Tyrell Williams to contend with this year. Um, and obviously the the tight end, uh, TJ Hawkinson. Um, and then on the other side to that, you've got Tyler Johnson, who was looking at maybe being the wide receiver two in that offense this year in Tampa Bay. And um, Godwin got brought back, I believe it was on a franchise tag. And then... Um, Antonio Brown also got back, brought back on, I believe, a one-year deal. So um, even though he came on late in the season, he's a, a type of hold, and that, that's the type of player that I'm looking at. And I know, Rich, you're going to jump at the chance to plug your survival kit in a minute <laughs> with the uh, with the contracts uh, section, which is absolutely brilliant. And if you haven't checked that out, I'll, I'll let Rich tell you where to find it. But, uh, yeah, the contracts are a great resource that people don't use often enough and those are the easiest things to predict um of a value increase and obviously play also brings into that so if someone does extremely well becomes a top 24 wide receiver for example out of nowhere um that that also helps but contracts are the easiest thing to predict because you can't always predict a top 24 wide receiver or a top 12 back or whatever so yeah yeah, yeah, those are the those are really the guys that I look at, but I I always want a mix of all three on my bench if I can. Okay, so yeah, so I I will I will take the opportunity. You've plugged it, so I'll mention it. It's uh, if you're looking for my Dynasty Survival Kit, it's my pin tweet. It's a completely free resource. Um, check it out. Let me know if you've got any questions or anything like that. So on that, Liam, so are, are you leaning more kind of landing spot? an opportunity now i'm not saying landing spot as in specific situation but obviously you're talking about contract situation things like that rather than trying to identify a a particular player that you think is talented or athletic or or that kind of thing um i suppose when i'm looking at late in startups or late in uh, rookie drafts so fourth round fifth round maybe and I do tend to look at the contract situation at certain um, teams. So this year, I, I don't want to talk about rookies anymore, really. We've been talking about it for how many <laughs> months? But um, j- just a couple of names to throw around would be like Javian Hawkins, who there's no real 
back there apart from Mike Davis. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to list them all because one, Rich has already plugged his uh, draft uh, survival kit there. So just make sure you check that out and they'll have all the information you need. And if you just type in Google X player name and then the contracts, they'll, they'll come up with a contract. There's multiple sites that does it. But um, I suppose those are the main ones I target later on in the draft. But then when those start to filter out and you, you kind of get left with options that may not be as appealing or may be tougher to predict um you, you I, that, that's when I tend to go for upside or floor and I, I kind of have those as a as a, a level playing field I don't really look at one more than the other it just depends on my roster construction so if I have a lot of upside plays I might look at a plotter next time and try and get that floor or vice versa yeah, so for you, it's about trying to trying to find that balance. You're not loading your roster or your, your back end of your roster with everybody from one box as such. You're trying to balance everybody out and make it, you know, as you said, balance. You want some upside guys, but you also want some guys that, that can offer you that bi-week fill-in and you know you're going to get that bi-week fill-in kind of thing. So what we're going to do then, Liam, is we're going to break it down into positions. And I've, as I said, I've I've sort of tried to... I guess loosely identify a, a kind of an archetype that that I think projects a breakout player at that position. Now that's not me sitting there saying I've absolutely nailed it because I've certainly not. But looking at the last three years, and I've sort of I guess looked at the the one breakout player from each position, and to identify that, that's the person that was being drafted outside the kind of starter world that has become a you know a top. 10 20 guy at the position um so starting with quarterback um so the the guys that really have broken out i guess you can say in the last three years so that's mahomes in in 2018 lamar in 2019 and then ryan Tannehill in 2020 now to me i, I guess what's the theme between those three and it's i think you know it's, it's not underrated with lamar but i think they've all got that rushing upside and I think that certainly over the last three years, as a you know, as a community, both dynasty, fantasy in general, we've become much smarter in terms of realizing how valuable that rushing upside is and how important it is. And and so I mean, you look at we we were talking before the podcast, Liam, the you know, the, the essentially every quarterback that's got that rushing upside is being drafted inside the top twelve now, isn't it? So I think it's it's become more difficult to identify guys that are outside that top 12 that could still break because the guys you're looking at are the Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady's, Mac Jones, you know, they're, they're not exactly Derek Carr's, they're, they're kind of sexy rushing upside guys. I mean, when you're looking at a potentially a breakout quarterback, is that rushing upside the, the number one thing you're potentially looking at? Um Yes and no. Like they, I suppose with rushing quarterbacks, as you said, it's kind of just baked into the into the value that they've got in startups and in draft in trade values. So um it really depends on who it is and how good they are at throwing because the the way I see it is if you can throw the ball, you don't have to rely on that rushing upside and 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 if vice versa, if you can't throw the ball as much obviously these are all NFL caliber quarterbacks it's not like they can't throw a ball five yards but if they struggle with accuracy or power um, then you, you kind of want to see more of the, those yards picked up on the ground and hopefully more touchdowns because that, that that's the real point getter in uh, any any of your leagues so I suppose that also changes depending on the scoring format so uh, I'm not one to like to use cop-out answers, but <laughs> if, if the scoring is more dependent, so it's more um, towards throwing. So if you have such as a six points um, per touchdown throwing and only minus one, minus two per interception or fumble, um, then I could be looking more at throwing quarterbacks um, or, or at least they would rise, not saying that they'd, my my whole draft strategy would change, but um, I suppose really have a look at your um, scoring settings in your league, and from there really determine how um, 
how how important each side of the quarterback role is. Um, as, as you said, you kind of look at all the quarterbacks now and all of their rushing upside is baked in. Just take a look at uh, Trey Lance, for example. He, I don't, again, don't want to keep going back to rookies, but uh, as we've been speaking about them for four months, everyone kind of knows that his upside is a lot on the ground and his accuracy could have been described as very mediocre or uh, inconsistent. So I suppose really you've got to take it for what it is at each quarterback and see what their strengths are and whether that's going to fit uh, what what you're looking for in say a QB two or a QB one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned Trey Lance, he's already a, you know, going as a, I think he's QB 12 in current ADP. So that that value, you're you're not really getting much value in terms of him blowing up. So just to, to give you an idea of what I'm looking for in terms of rising value. So Mahomes in 2018, preseason, he was the QB 9 in ADP. He finished the season, he was going as the QB 1 in startups. Lamar was 2019, he was the QB 13. He was finishing seasons, he was going as the QB 2. And then Ryan Tannehill preseason was the QB 25. Um, and postseason, he was the QB twelve. So, I guess I've identified two potential guys that I think could fit this mold of kind of underrated rushing upside that could break out. And that's so Daniel Jones. Um, obviously, we've seen you know he, he does offer some decent rushing upside. Obviously, we saw the you know the eighty yards non touchdown where he fell over. Um, <laughs> And, and then the other guy is is Ryan Tannehill again. So he, as I said, he was the QB 12 in January um, and a mix of, I guess, losing Corey Davis perhaps, but also um, adding the rookies in. He's now down as the QB 19 in ADP. So I should have mentioned that Daniel Jones is the QB 23. So, Liam, do you think Daniel Jones, Ryan Tannehill could potentially out outproduce those ADPs and, and kind of see a rise as we get into, you know, December, January, February time. So when, when I saw you put Tannehill on here, I had to have a quick look at his, a uh, quick look at his numbers and his ADP and stuff. And I, I do like him where you're getting him in startups, but I don't think he's going to be a quote unquote breakout candidate. Um, he, he one doesn't have the weapons on the offense anymore. I mean, I, I really wouldn't say Corey Davis is a huge weapon, but whoa, he, he's losing a, whoa, a, a hundred target receiver there. And I know I'm talking easy bad about Corey Jets Davis now. Yeah, easy with the Corey Davis slander. But um, yeah, if you're losing any receiver that received over a hundred uh, targets last year, um, you, you really have to try and find those targets somewhere and I know we've spoken before Rich about vacated targets and although I'm not a huge believer of them I kind of still like to look at that as a baseline of they're not going to throw exactly this amount but at least you can try and tell roughly that they're losing um, passing attempts and where you're and how much you you may be getting um, back and who to so um, I do think that Tannehill is an iffy buy. Um, he's definitely got the upside, as he showed last year. He was uh, the QB7, um, as you said. So he's definitely got that upside. Now, moving on to Danny Dimes. Um, I absolutely love Danny Dimes as a late-round pickup. And I know we're in a startup at the moment, so I hope that no one in that league listens to this and we get a couple of rounds further on so I can pick him up later. But um, I, I had him as a breakout candidate last year and um, and he, he wasn't what I'd hoped. Um, I, don't, I don't think he was what most people hoped last year. Um, but as the QB23, that's borderline QB3 um, ADP there. So... If he performs as a QB two anywhere above the uh, above twenty uh, fourth overall QB, then that that works out in your favour. And I think that if he does have a, a above mediocre season this year, um, then I don't foresee the Giants 
moving on from him, which I know there's been a bit of talk on Twitter and a couple of other uh, sites. But I, th- I suppose with what I'm looking for at the moment is just that upside. And as we're playing Dynasty, we're trying to predict a couple of years down the line as well. I'm, I'm not trying to predict 10 years, for example, but two years worth of stability is what I kind of look for in any player. And then hopefully in those two years time, I've got a championship in one and then been able to move on or been able to move on anyway and just try and retool my roster. So I, I suppose think, there, I think you've hit, you've hit, hit on a, an important point there in that. Yes. Daniel Jones, if you look at him, you'd say QB 23, He's he's kind of undervalued in that he's got the rushing upside. They've added weapons to that offense, and he should perform better than he did last year. But I do think that one of the concerns is around that it's kind of put up or shut up time for him, isn't it? You know, he's he's got fantastic weapons around him. He's got an average offensive line, and obviously they spent an early pick last year, which I'm sure they would have run now rather any of the other three tackles in that draft class, but. Um, you know, there there are some pieces there. And I think that it's the Giants have basically said, if Daniel Jones doesn't perform this year, we're probably going to move on from him. And I think that that is so, slightly why you're getting a discount on him because there's that uncertainty around 2022 for him as, as a starter. Is he going to be the Giants QB beyond this year? And I think that's why his cost is less. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I suppose the only thing with him and I suppose anyone in, in his range is you've always got issues. And I'm not saying that Mahomes doesn't have issues, for example. Every, everyone's going to have, uh, I, I suppose, down effects um, that could affect their play. And I suppose with Danny Dimes, the biggest thing, and I know this is a reoccurring theme everywhere, whenever you bring up his name, everyone points this out, is his fumbles and his turnovers in general. And he, if he clears at least half of those up, he, he's going to jump up in um, final scoring really quickly. So depending on how your league scores your um turnovers he he could definitely rise just from clearing those up and playing exactly how he did last year yeah absolutely absolutely so moving on to the running back position so I guess this is probably the hardest to predict the you know the hardest to find a breakout but if you do find a breakout at the running back position let's be honest you're um you're pretty much quids in so um you know, I've, I'm, I'm not reinventing the wheel here in saying that one of the easiest things to, to identify potential um, players that could blow up in value is, is targeting those kind of congested backfields, those backfields that don't have a clear lead back that we're looking at as a potential to, you know, if someone can carve out the, the number one spot, the, you know, the, the lead back in that role, in that offence, we could then see a real breakout. So the guys that I've identified, so in 2018, it was James White. He was um, going as the running back 53 in ADP before the season. He actually finished as the running back eight the year, that year and then was going as the running back 29 postseason. Um, Austin Eckler in 2019, so he was the running back 41 before the season. He finished as the RB4 um, and then he was going as the RB18 after the season. Um, and then Miles Gaskin last year, so he was pretty much undrafted, pretty much everywhere you could imagine. He finished as the running back 11 in points per game. I appreciate he he missed a few games. Um, And then he was going as the RB24 after the season. So, I mean, Liam, when you're trying to identify some of those late rounds running back breakouts, is is it crowded backfields that you're identifying as potential targets or are you looking for something else? So, with... Looking at just some of the names on here, for example, Austin Eckler, I don't think anyone really expected him to burst onto the scene as he did. I I suppose everyone was drafted in for that upside, but with Melvin Gordon in front of him, um, I believe that was the holdout year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, So, so I suppose people there were drafting for hopes of that um, holdout, for a lack of a better word. 
Um, and then he outperformed even those expectations by going as the RB4 on the season. And uh, again, with Miles Gaskin, and another one you could put on this list is James Robinson. Um, just guys that you really didn't expect, or if you're like me, I, I'm one to admit that I never even heard of James Robinson until um, that first round of waivers when people were picking him up and throwing all their fab budget or their, their waiver claims on him. Um, so so guys like that are extremely difficult to predict. Like Manuel Gaskin was going undrafted last year um, in startups. And, and so it, it's really difficult at the running back position because you probably have those top 12 to 18 guys that are slated to have a... Uh, a starting role but if any of those go down that's when you kind of have to look at the next guy and that that's where I find the upside so guys such as Philip Lindsay I can see you've got on your list here but then guys that you haven't mentioned here such as Darrington Evans Darrington Evans if Henry goes down he's the next backup and and he looks he, he was injured last year, but from what I saw on his tape, he looked pretty good. Um, and I think I he's think, just been forgotten about. Yeah, and I think that, I guess there's sort of two ways you can go with those late rounds running backs, isn't there? Is you can either go the sort of traditional handcuff route of someone like a Darrington Evans, who's, you know, essentially valueless unless the starting running get, gets injured and then he could become hugely valuable. But from a dynasty perspective, you know, yes, Derek Henry might be injured for the season, but then next year he's probably coming back again. So then Darrington Evans goes back to being a lot less valuable. Whereas the guys that I'm perhaps trying to target here are guys that are in crowded backfields where there isn't that, as you said, sort of 18 guys that we consider sort of elite stud running backs that are workhorses. So these are guys that I think could carve out a role because there's no number one and these guys could potentially become a true number one um so Liam mentioned it there so the first guy is Damian Harris I guess you could probably argue that he's already being kind of considered the RB1 in in New England I just think that that offense is going to be better this year I think they've got if Cam's going to be the quarterback you know, he's got another offseason to heal his shoulder. If it is Mac Jones, I think we're going to see a step forward for the whole offense. They've got some weapons around him now. Um, and I think that the running back in that offense is going to produce more. We saw Damian Harris do a solid job last year. And I just wonder if he could potentially, you know, be a, a guy that we're drafting as a top 15 running back next year. You can currently get him as the RB25. So then, you know, you mentioned Philip Lindsay. Well, I see the, the Texans have supposedly signed Rex Burkhead again today. So there's like a 10, 10 headed backfield, you know, who, who has a clue who's going to carve out a role, who's going to be the start. I guess David Johnson is, you know, the, the one that we're expecting to be the lead back this year. But would you be shocked if David Johnson was on the, you know, the, the, the pile of wasted running backs and, and they go forward with Philip Lindsay. I just think that, uh, current price RB53 it's worth a punt um, and then the last two so this is getting really deep so this is perhaps my a little bit of a, a Jets love here and it's Ty Johnson um, so he's the RB88 and then Justin Jackson in LA so he's the RB89 I think Ty Johnson is a really good fit for the Shanahan scheme that the Jets can be run this year I get that they've spent fourth round picks on two running backs in the last two drafts but We've seen with Shanahan, you know, they spent an awful lot of money on Jared McKinnon and, and when it came down to it, they were willing to go with undrafted guy and Raheem Mostert. Um, and I just think that if Ty Johnson can produce, we've seen he's lightning fast. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him be a Raheem Mostert light as such. And Justin Jackson, I think, yes, Austin Eckler is going to be fantastic again, I think, this year. But I think that offence has enough workload in it for a decent number two you know we saw when Austin Eckler was firing with Melvin Gordon there Melvin Gordon was still able to shoot even though Austin Eckler was a top five running back that year we saw a mix of Josh Kelly at the beginning of the year and Justin Jackson when he was fit 
there's there's enough workload to go around in the offense, and I just think at running back eighty nine, you you can essentially go out and pick Justin Jackson off. I'm, I'm sure a lot of your waiver wires. I do wonder if he could eventually be a you know valued as a kind of top thirty running back at the end of the season. Yeah, I suppose you you hit the nail on the head there. You, you're drafting for upside, and the value is the the big key. Um, as you said, Ty Johnson currently going as the RB eighty eight. Um, in startups and if you draft him and he somehow gets to the top of that death chart whether it be by um by injuries or just by luck or skill or however you want to put it uh, if he does get to the top of that or even just the rb2 in that death chart um his value goes up from rb88 and shoots up all the way um you're probably looking at rb three value there so you, you kind of have to look at the guys that you think have a clear chance of getting there and probably the, the, the I suppose the way that I'm, I'm having to look at it at the moment is the, the back that has the least obstacles to get to that valuable position for you and your team. Um, and I, I was having a look at, um, just just some game numbers here, and then only six, uh, only four backs out of the top twenty four um, finished the season with sixteen games last se- last year. Yeah, and um, so running back is always a position that is going to come down to injuries. Um, but if you take into account that CMC and Barkley aren't going to be in the top twenty four because they didn't see those games. Um, then you're kind of looking at a, a bigger variety there of who's actually in that top 24. And with the running back position, they are going to get injured more often. And I'm not claiming to be a injury expert by any means, but if you just look at past seasons, you can see that injuries happen a lot more at the running back position than any other. And so... I'm not saying count on them, but they are more likely. So just keep that in mind when you are drafting people that a running back one can go down with, without any notice. And even if it is only for one or two games, you've still got that either production for that one game if you're a contender or you can try and sell that player to another team for a higher draft pick than you were previously getting, even if it's only a round higher. So I, I, I do agree with you rich that you you are having a look at that upside and obviously the process that you want to go down is not always draft or use luck to get to where you're trying to go you you try and predict everything you can but every everyone knows in the fantasy football game that you you can't predict everything yeah so i think that you know if we were to lump let's be honest, quarterback and running back as positions, they're to a certain extent volume-based. You know, you can you can put whoever, whatever running back's going to get a workload, generally you can expect to produce. It's about, as you said, that's why we handcuff running backs because when the stud gets injured, the backup normally comes in and, and he's going to get, if they get a decent workload, they're going to produce. And it's the same with quarterbacks, you know. Yes, there's there's better quarterbacks and worse quarterbacks. Of course, there are. But generally, if you've got a starting quarterback, they're going to produce a decent value for you in in the NFL. You know, unless you're talking Dwayne Haskins or something like that. Whereas these last two positions, you're now looking at, you know, reactive positions. They're reliant on quarterback positions, and this is where I think you can really see the, you know, the true breakouts. And I think that this is perhaps for me a little bit more exciting because these are the guys that I think if you can identify them, it's, it's not so much luck. There's a a path to potential huge uh, kind of rewards on that investment. So if we start at the wide receiver position, so, you know, I talk quite a lot. I'm a, I'm a big believer in draft capital. I think it's a fantastic tool to predict future fantasy success. You, You can sit here and talk through as much as you like. But one of my favorite things is is buying highly drafted kind of NFL receivers after they've already been thrown on the scrap heap because they weren't successful. And 
you know, th- this sounds a lot like the Corey Davis conversation we were oh. having about 20 minutes ago. Maybe, maybe he might get a mention here. Um, so if you look at some guys of the past three years, so Tyler Boyd, he, he, yes, he wasn't a first-round pick, but he was a highly drafted second-round pick. He flashed a couple of bits in his first couple of years, but also had a couple of injuries. He then came back in his third year. He was being valued in as wide receiver 81 in preseason. He finished as a wide receiver two, was being valued as a wide receiver 26 after the season and has been in that sort of 20 to 30 range ever since. In 2019, we we finally saw the you know the fifth year breakout of um, one of one of my true loves, uh, Devontae Parker. Uh, he was wide receiver 70 preseason. He finished as wide receiver 32 in terms of ADP, um, and then perhaps stretching a little bit. So these last two year, last year we had Will Fuller, who was obviously another first round pick. He was going as wide receiver 45. He was wide receiver 10 in points per game. He's currently going as wide receiver 33. To me, that's still a ridiculous value because I think people forget how good he was last year when he was on the field before he had his PED suspension. Um, and then, yes, I, I can mention Corey Davis again. This is a guy that was a first-round pick, showed flashes, had a horrific offence, finally got a decent offence and and you know decent quarterback and, and produced. And I think that you can look at that pedigree. Yes, it's, it's not going to be fantastic every time you you know yes there are first round picks that do flame out and never produce but i think that if you can identify some dirt cheap guys that have shown some flashes that have got that great draft pedigree perhaps you can identify a breakout candidate and it's not really costing you much to go out and buy them what what do you think liam have i sold you maybe not on the <laughs> breakout of Devante parker um, I apologise for breaking your heart there with, a, with that <laughs> slander. But, um, I, I do agree, draft capital does tend to stick. Now, it doesn't stick for everyone, as as we've uh, noticed over the past couple of years. Um, and the, there's a couple of high draft picks that just haven't happened. And I'm not going to mention any names because the first one that popped into my head was the first year of when I joined Dynasty, so that was 2019. And uh, he's on your show sheet, so I'm not going to mention that till a bit later. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I suppose w- with me, when I look at all these names, you have not only draft capital in common, but you also have injury concerns. Um, now, Devontae Parker, I'm not sure about the injury concerns there. Um Unfortunately, my NFL knowledge doesn't go that far back. Yeah, he had, I definitely he had, know Boyd. He had plenty. For for Parker had yeah. plenty. He had hamstring issues. He couldn't stay fit at all for about the first three or four years. Oh, there you go. All, all three of the ones that you've mentioned then have had some form of injury concern. And I think that's kind of where some of it comes in. And I know we were talking about injuries at the running back position and the wide receiver it doesn't happen as often. And um, there's just more of them, so it makes it seem like there's more more uh, going around. But I suppose that's another thing you've got to look at is those guys that have got injury concerns that are coming back and maybe a top guy that you could look at. So one that's just coming to my head that I wouldn't say is going along the right lines here for what we're trying to do, but Cortland Sutton is currently coming back from an ACL injury and we all know that, or if you don't know that ACL injuries, you don't always come back immediately. It might take you a year to get back to where you were or even just close to that. But if he comes back and is near enough the player that he was before he had his injury, he could be a top uh, just by low at the moment. Uh, I don't have his ADP in front of me, but I know that he was going... Um, sixth, seventh, maybe eighth round in some startups that I did just before the rookie draft. Um, and that's without rookies in. So we'll, yeah. we'll see um, whether that one's a, a good shout in a year or two's time. But yeah, I think one, one here is just you, all four that you've mentioned have some sort of injury concern. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, it's, it's a good point to point, isn't it? That yes, when when we're talking about guys that don't break out and if you've got 
somebody that's been injured that can't stay healthy but has shown flashes, then they could potentially come out and and prove that they're you know once they finally get healthy, could that be someone like a Jalen Rager or or perhaps a Denzel Mims who you know had those injury hit rookie years? They they could potentially be breakouts this year. Um, I did think about putting Cortland Sutton on the list. Um, he's currently wide receiver twenty five in ADP, so I just thought he was a bit bit too kind of high value yeah. to be a you know a blow up in value candidate. Um, yeah, so the two, breakout. yeah. So the the two that I kind of settled on that could potentially blow up, and and the first one um, is Mike Williams of the Chargers. So you know we we've certainly seen flashes from him in terms of we saw a 10-plus touchdown season, we saw a 1,000-yard season. And I think that we've never seen him put them both together. Um, but this is a guy that was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, I want to say. Um, I, th- I think he was top five, potentially, but I can't remember. Um, he's got an elite young quarterback in Justin Herbert. He's got the landing spot potential in terms of at the moment, he's the number two in that offense, and I don't really see that changing. You know, they didn't add a lot to that offense that's going to take targets away from him. Um, yet, yeah, he's currently being valued as the wide receiver 58 in ADP. You can probably go out and buy him for what a late second, maybe a you know, a, a 2022 second. Um, and I think that this is a guy that if he puts it all together, we could easily see him as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three this year and and that's where i think his his dynasty value could settle i mean do you think there's potential that mike williams could kind of blow up this year yeah um the only thing i'd say to mike williams is it is his last year um on contract at least in uh los angeles i believe so that is something to be concerned about but i do agree that he has the um, potential and he's shown the ability to give you those good games where you need them and I suppose the biggest thing for him was the inconsistency and um, just to go back to your point yeah he was a top 10 pick uh, pick seven I just had a quick look okay. so um, so he, he definitely is someone to to target and fit, fit your mould he's He's not been healthy. I don't believe at all of his seasons. I believe maybe one. Um, but I believe with Mike Williams that he he has that upside and he's shown it. And that's all you're looking for to look for those breakout candidates. Yeah, I think that, you know, would we be shocked if he put together the the Corey Davis season from last year? You know, he's in a contract year. He, he's playing for money. He's shown flashes like Corey Davis did. He is the clear number two on his offense with, you know, an upgrade at quarterback in their second year. I wouldn't be shocked if Mike Williams produced this year. That's not me saying that I'm drafting him as a, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, but I just think that he's got potential that he could see a, a big uptick in his value. Um, so then the the last guy, wide receiver, I want to throw out. So I think you hinted at him when you talked about 2019 early draft pick. He was, let's be honest, I, I was out here, well, not out here. I was in my home leagues proponent of him going as the 101. I, you know, I told everybody in, in my home league that the guy who drafted Josh Jacobs 101 was an idiot because he should have taken and killed Harry. Um, look, he, he's done nothing through two years. I think he was put in a really tough situation. He was, you know, as a rookie in what is a really difficult offense to learn. There is a lot of option routes. There is a lot of those choice routes. He had a an incredibly demanding quarterback in Tom Brady, and was expected to come in and be the you know the number one receiver that was going to transform that offense. And, and he couldn't do that. We then seen as a sophomore, he's battled injuries through the off season. Cam Newton spoke really highly of him, but Cam Newton's shoulder was falling off. And Yes, he didn't produce again as a sophomore. And he's currently now going as the wide receiver 90 in ADP. So he's basically worth a fourth-round pick. So for me, if I can get a former first-round pick, a guy that was the 101 in rookie drafts two years ago, going into his third year, which, yes, it's, you know, it's transformed over the last five, six years. But 
five, six years ago, we always used to sit here and say, year three breakout, year three breakout, wide receiver, that's the guy you want to target. And okay, and Kill Harry might be nothing. He might just drift off as a wide receiver one in terms of draft capital that that never put it together. He was a first-round pick that was a complete bust. But if you can buy him for a fourth-round pick, I think you're you're doing yourself a disservice to not take a flyer at least. This is a guy that the Patriots thought was worthy of a first-round pick. This is a guy that is a, a physical freak. He's got that true, I hate using the term, but alpha potential. If Mac Jones is going to come in and be that pocket passer that can just deliver the ball, could we see him kill Harry? You know, even if he is a, a wide receiver four and produces a top 50 season, you can probably sell him for a second or third round pick at the end of the year. You, you're getting a return on your investment. I just think if you can buy a guy with this production profile coming out of college, this draft capital going into the third year for a fourth round pick, you, you've got to be doing it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, everything I've said so far in, in this pod, and I'll relate it back to last pod as well. I mentioned it a couple of times when we had your brother on. And if you haven't listened to that, then please go take a listen. Um, but everything I've mentioned so far is about the rising value and you're, you're looking for those players that are going to give you that extra round or two worth of value to then sell on or if they are producing then it pushes you closer to that championship so um if you spend a third or a fourth round on Nikhil Harry then what what are you going to lose you're going to lose someone such as if you're talking a mid-round pick maybe you're Ramondre Stevenson um or my my um, absolute love in Amari Rogers. If you're looking at the top end of the third round, or a Nico uh, Nico Collins, Diami Brown, somewhere in the top, but that's probably the highest or the the most valuable player that you're going to lose out on for a former 101 pick. And everyone's caught up in the rookie hype at the moment. But if you look at Nicky or Harry, he's got that draft capital. He's not had a favourable situation in um, his first two seasons. I mean, Cam Newton, when he came back from his COVID um, stint, he he didn't look like the same player, even though he wasn't the MVP he once was. He still looked even worse than what he played as at the start of the season. So I suppose with Harry, you've also got that um, worry of, Oh, maybe I lose out on my third or my fourth round pick, but the likelihood of either of those actually hitting, as you you've said on a couple of pods, and I know that you're big on your hit rates, Rich, and um, the likelihood of either of those actually hitting is still very slim. So I'd rather take the chance on Harry than try and get a, a random single digit chance. Yeah, of actually getting a hit. If you're paying a third round pick, so you're talking a 10% chance that wide receiver draft in the third round of a rookie draft becomes a top 24 wide receiver. In the fourth round, it's it's between 3 and 5%. Are you telling me that you, you don't think that Nkeel Harry's got a better than 5% chance that he could have a you know, a breakout year? And, and I'm, I'm more than happy to go and spend all of my fourth round picks on Nkeel Harry. Um, I'm actually going to, as soon as we finish recording this, I'm going to go out and send send it off for him because I don't think I've got enough sh- shares. So hopefully before it gets posted, um, I'll, I'll have been able to buy a few. Um, so then the tight end breakout. So you can sit here and, and talk about and identify what you think. To be honest, I'm not really a believer in kind of athletic traits and athletic profile in terms of how they lead to fancy production because I don't think they do with tight end being the only exception in that I think that basically breakout tight ends tend to be super athletes and a couple of guys that we can identify. So in 2018, Eric Ebron, not an incredible kind of elite athlete, but a very good athlete. And obviously he came with elite draft capital. Darren Moorline in 2019, Obviously, he was an incredible athlete, a former wide receiver, had all sorts of drug issues, which is why he then wound wound his way onto the Raiders and, and a true breakout. 
And then again, you've got last year, Logan Thomas, a complete freak of an athlete, a former quarterback that winds up as a tight end on Washington and goes from being undrafted in terms of August ADP to being a top 12 tight end at the end of the season. Um, So do you think that that sort of elite athlete that's undervalued is is a good target for, for the sort of tight end position? Yeah, and I, I want to add one just as a Green Bay fan. I want to add Robert Tonyan to that list. Um, yeah. He, he, again, was going undrafted last season. Um, everyone thought it was going to be Jay Sternberger. We just drafted uh, Josiah DeGuara. So there, there was a crowded backfield, but he managed to pull out on top. And uh, I, I suppose some of that does come down to injuries. And I know I keep going on about injuries, but they do help these type of guys get out of the depth chart that they're in and try and get to the top and get that chance. Um, But with all of these guys, you're looking at that uber-athletic profile. And um, I suppose with with all of those, you you kind of hope that they're the only – player that, that that hits on that whole team so if you look at Darren Waller and Logan Thomas and who else were on those teams that really did anything in those seasons you've got Terry McLaurin in Washington with Logan Thomas and that was about it uh, you could probably say um, Antonio Gibson or um, McKissick in the past game or yeah Darren Waller who had Terrell Williams I believe or was that last? That was last season. Yeah. I, I can't even name. Hunter Renfro rookie year, wasn't it? Um, yes, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't was, pretty. Yeah. wasn't pretty at all. Um, and yeah, you made a great point with Robert Tonyan. Obviously, he was you know another former wide receiver that was a fantastic athlete as well. So, um, so yeah, that's that's another elite athlete that that's kind of broken out. So two two guys that I've identified. Um, so Gerald Everett is the first one. So he's, he's a fantastic athlete, um, you know, never really carved out a true role with the Rams. Um, has obviously now found himself up in Seattle with the Seahawks. We've seen some interesting usage of the tight end position since, uh, since Russell Wilson's been there. We've obviously seen it basically be irrelevant unless Will Disley had a, a couple of seasons where, you know, when he was on the field, he was a, a top five tight end and, when he wasn't tearing his Achilles or his uh, his knee up, he sort of disappeared and, and that position disappeared. So I do think that Gerald Everett, as he's going as tight in 24, you know, at that value, he's, he's worth a punt. He could could be that, you know, later breakout of the tight end position. Um, and then the other guy. So I think that for me, if this guy was in a different offense in terms of, not having a highly drafted tight end ahead of him, I think he'd be going a hell of a lot earlier than he is. And that's Albert O. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname. Um, so he's currently going as tight end 37. He was obviously a rookie last year. He showed flashes when he got on the field. You know, he sh- he showed that connection with Drew Locke, obviously being his, a college teammate. Um, but he was elite in the uh, in the red zone. And he is, again, another fantastic athlete. Obviously, he's coming off the injury don't think he's going to be fully fit this year but I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him back producing at the back end of of next year and and if that offense finally got a quarterback you know we've talked about it a few times he could be a a, a true kind of blow up candidate as such what what do you think of both of those yeah I I agree so Gerald Everett obviously has the clearer path to the breakout in Seattle as the number one, I believe, there. Um, so I, I would like to see him put it together because last season I was all on the Everett over Higby train uh, in LA over there. So you, you and me both. But neither worked out, unfortunately. <laughs> so um I, I do hope that he does put something together this season. And even if it is just a top 12 season, that's all you're looking for. Um, Albert O, again, I, I mentioned with a couple of the other guys, he's only an injury away from getting top 10, like top tier targets. And um, and I suppose with the rest of the weapons on that team, 
you you've got a lot a lot to cover as a defense so he could be seeing some favorable matchups there and although that also does means that he may not get as many targets as you want and um, you, you've still got that coverage uh, deficiency that you may see where he's on a or a linebackers on him or a smaller safety in a dime set or something along those lines so definitely something to look at um, I've just been having a look for other guys um, that fit this mould. And I, although his college dominator rating wasn't brilliant, um, I do like Dawson Knox as another guy. Um, I'm not sure whether you have his ADP rich at hand, but um, he, he's another one that is going around that range and is a good, good, uh, good guy to try and have a look at, especially with his athletic profile. And, um, and he he's already the number one in that offense. So let, let's yeah. see how that let's see how that plays out this season. Yeah, I I really liked Dawson Knox. I I certainly had a lot of shares of him in his rookie year. I really liked him as a as a potential sort of later round guy. Um, he's he's currently going as a tight end thirty one. So again, would fit the mold. Um, I just the reason I I bumped him down and didn't I did toy with putting him in if I'm being honest. Um, and it's just I don't know if the volume's going to be there in that offense, um, and I just don't know if he's going to be able to carve out a big enough role to see a big bump in in value. I I wouldn't be shocked if you know I think he's going into his last year. He, he might have one year left of his contract. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a guy that we see suddenly blow up in that first year in a new offense. But certainly a name to, to consider. You know when certainly my approach and I know Murph talks about it all the time is it's tightened tightened early or, or tightened not at all and and it's you know if you're going to take three four of these guys in this range with the last few rounds last few picks in your draft why not take a punt on you know someone like a, a Dawson Knox and Albert O or, or a Gerald Everett yeah so as you said with Knox here he's uh he's going into his third year of his contract so he's got one more season to go um after that sorry so he's a unrestricted free agent in the 2023 off season, and um, so yeah, as as I said, he 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 didn't have a great college dominator rating, and that's not the only thing you look at, but it's something to take into the equation. And um, and I suppose the issue we've got at the moment is I can't think of a tight end that doesn't have weapons around him that fits the uber athletic archetype that we have um, if, and if there's a, the, the only one I was going to say if there's a tight end that doesn't have weapons around him then you know they're, they're being drafted highly aren't they there's not many tight ends outside of maybe yeah. TJ Hawkinson that doesn't have a decent receiving call the, the only one I was going to mention and, and again I don't want to keep bringing up rookies but um, Brevin Jordan in Houston is probably the only one that I can think of and that's at a stretch because it's his rookie season and I suppose the thing with all of these guys is none of these guys broke out in their rookie season. They broke out two, three, maybe four years down the line. So that that's yeah. the type of tight end that you're looking at to try and try and put you over the edge. And as it, as Murph says, you say, and I, I've sent out a couple of tweets over the past week or so, um, tight end earlier, tight end not at all, really. Um, yeah. I don't tend to take one until very late if I don't get one of the top four this season. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I can, I completely agree. Well, that, well, that concludes the pod, Liam. Thank you so much for coming on again. Where, where can everybody find you, Liam? You, you mentioned your Twitter. Where, where can we see your tweets? So my Twitter handle is at the FSA tweets. Um, I will be writing for uh, Dynasty, the Five Yard Dynasty page very soon um having a look a couple of ideas before i start uh, writing some articles and yeah just find me over there i'll be retweeting anything that you guys send to me um if you do <laughs> want that retweet or a, or a uh, uh advice on a trade or anything along those lines or you can just read my takes on tight end premium which i know didn't really go down well this week <laughs> 
<laughs> well, um, make sure you're following Liam, guys. He's a fantastic follow. And yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to his, his debut article coming in, in the next couple of weeks. Um, before we go, guys, I should mention, obviously, Murph and Stocks mentioned um, yesterday on the headline show, they're giving away a, a spot in the Scott Fish Bowl. Um, there's already been a couple of entries. I'm looking forward to seeing your, your five-yard rush videos. Um, so make sure you, you get them recorded, get them sent in. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the winner. But uh, thank you again for listening, and we will see you again next week. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.